0: Listener-supported, WNYC Studios.
1: Hi there. I'm Amanda Aronchik, and I'm a reporter for WNYC's Only Human podcast. As you might have noticed, we have been on hiatus. We've been working on some new stories. And today we are going to bring you something that we've been working on that I hope you'll agree is an interesting and somewhat more primal way to look at the 2016 election. This election has been as bitter and divisive as any in recent memory. And with all that bitterness comes some swearing, so please consider yourself warned. Because truly, this election has been relentless.
2: I humbly and gratefully accept... Person
1: the Republicans have nominated for president. As to Hillary Clinton,
3: the charge of putting
2: herself...
1: This election has been polarized.
2: Immigration security the the is national. Security. We will not build a wall. In this
1: election has been endless.
3: You can play with a
1: and This election has been stressful. And
3: we will make a
1: With the election in mind, I asked our reporter, Julia Longoria, to see if she could find a family divided. One family stressed out by living with two opposing points of view. She found just that couple in Texas. And we can't tell you their full names. It's it's for a weird reason, but we'll explain more later. Here is Julia. So
4: we are in Arlington, Texas. The sun is out, and before I can even ring the bell of this one house... Any help? (laughs) I'm good. Thank you. Brenda opens the door to greet me.
3: Julia. I am. (laughs) This is Chuck. Howdy,
4: ma'am. Welcome to Texas. From the moment I walk in, I can see the way this relationship
0: works. We never really felt the housing bust. We slowed down a little bit, but not real bad.
3: When was that dear?
4: 2008.
3: Yes, and who was president then?
4: So she's already starting. I'm
3: just asking you a question. Who was the President, then? Well,
4: it seems like Chuck and Brenda are used to fighting. When they first got together, their friends told them they wouldn't last a year. This was over forty years ago. They pull out a photo album from that time. Skinny I was a teenaged Brenda is wearing a pair of bright yellow pants, and, look,
3: and look how long it. Look how long his hair was, <laughs>
4: and he's wearing these blue plaid bell bottoms boom. I was making a fashion statement. There, this,
3: the first date I had with him, we went to Pizza Hut. That's right. And he's talking about Star Trek, black holes.
0: Just make up. Stars. Quasars, or oh no, I was just trying to tell her what they were.
3: I never had a date where we talked about science. It seemed to work, right? Yeah, I guess it did. Brenda says
4: they've been fighting for years, and it never gets that intense. That is until this year. This election has heated up their fights to the point where they just decided not to talk about it anymore. But they agreed to talk about it just this once. I told you. Being
3: so smart. What about Trump makes sense to you? How in the world can you vote for that man?
0: Because he's a businessman.
3: Oh my gosh. A businessman who has had six bankruptcies. How many there you go. how many bankruptcies has your company had has your two people that you work Brenda, for how many bankruptcies have people, they had how many bankruptcies when
0: you go how many and you go have they through business,
4: i've had how i've many had i've had
0: franchises do you know?
4: They're like, see, this is why we never do it anymore, because it's just the same thing. We're just going in circles and circles and circles, and they have certain triggers, like um, immigration. You don't care if he has any
3: plans <laughs> and policies. He doesn't. Terrorism. What's his policy on dealing with ISIS? The emails. Has any hacks come I'm out of her server? I'm trust
0: somebody like
3: that. Has any hacks come out of her computer? Where it gets most personal is with health care.
4: Chuck's cousin actually got health care for the very first time with Obamacare. Do you think that we could call your cousin? Do you think he'd be game for that and just to, to give his position on this?
0: I don't think he'd have a problem with it. All right. Well, hang on a second. All right. Uh, are you
4: there? I'm here. Okay. I can put him up here.
3: You watching TV or? Yeah.
0: I have MSNBC on nonstop.
4: He's watching MSNBC, so he's a Democrat.
0: Yep, that sounds about right. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Oh, I wish you were here, Brad. We would go two-on-one with Chuck. It would be wonderful. up on me like
0: you usually do.
4: And I'm wondering if now, with this election coming up, is it stressful for you? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) (laughs)
5: So. (laughs) Terrified that Trump is gonna
3: <laughs> oh, Brad, I love you so much. I See, just love you so that's, much. That's,
0: that's agree, that side of the family.
5: But, you know, we'll deal with what we deal with. But I think the Health Care Act is in trouble no
0: matter why. But But it's not just Trump. The other problem there is it's Hillary. She's her oh, unpopularity yeah, I, is. I, I totally
5: agree. I mean, she
0: right. she wears me the fuck out.
5: <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it's like Jesus Christ.
1: This election has walked right into our homes, our relationships, our psyches. We're even talking to our therapists about Donald and Hillary. This election is wearing us all the fuck out. And what I wanted to know is what exactly is stressing us out? Is it fighting with each other? Is it the candidates? The media? And how is this election impacting us physically? It was these questions that landed me here. Smell monkeys, I think. Yeah. In a room full of monkeys... Now, picture like a dozen tiny, adorable Ewoks, but they're like super angry little Ewoks. They're pissed. They're
2: not, they're not they're, happy. They're, they're not happy. Uh,
1: Jeffrey French is a professor of psychology at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, and he's been working with marmoset monkeys for over 30 years. So
2: those are a large Uh, that they give to predators or any kind of strange object in their environment.
1: He said I was stressing
2: out the monkeys. Some animals become more agitated. They scratch. They show uh, these kinds of distress calls, uh, whereas other animals show a more uh, passive kind of coping response. sit in a corner, shut down activity. Both of those behavioral characteristics are associated with increases in cortisol, which again speaks to this issue. Cortisol. It's also
1: known as the stress hormone. When you get stressed, your body makes cortisol to help restore your energy after that first wave of adrenaline has passed. And you can measure cortisol as one indicator of stress. Dr. French does this to see how stressed out the monkeys get when a stranger appears, or when they're left alone, or when they fight. And he's figured out a pretty easy way to get samples from the monkeys.
2: And all of our marmosets are trained to provide us with a urine sample in exchange for a cheerio first thing in the morning, and we both think we're getting the better end of the deal. <laughs> um, so one cheerio.: That's right.)
1: Why are we talking about monkeys and cortisol and Cheerios? That's because Dr. French has been working with a guy, a professor, who's about 50 miles away at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. CB3, Center for Brain Biology and Behavior. But I made it. So I drove over to meet him. He is a political scientist named Kevin Smith. Amanda? Yes. Hi. Hi, how are you? All right. Professor are Smith's you? work oh, is at the intersection of health and you. politics, He looks at us as actual political animals. He wants to know how our bodies and our genes and our hormones influence what we think and how we vote. I know my reaction to the election cycle is I can't really handle it. Mm -hmm. I work in news, so I'm sort of stuck with it. But I pay as little attention as possible because Mm. I just find it too stressful.
6: Yeah, politics is social conflict writ large. Lord knows our current presidential election is showing us an awful lot of conflict That makes some people uncomfortable, and other people are just fascinated by it. And some of those signals can at least be detected biologically.
1: And this is why Kevin Smith reached out to the monkey guy, Jeffrey French, because Smith wanted to look at whether or not stress and voting were related.
6: You've got to stand in line. You don't know whether you're standing with people who agree with you or disagree with you. You may have to sort of like run a little bit of gauntlet of people
1: waving signs
6: or yelling at each other.
1: One of their studies looked at voting records for over 100 people from six different elections. They wanted to see how often each person voted. And then they measured those same participants' cortisol levels. I would have guessed that people who are very high-stress engage more rather than less with politics.
6: Yeah, we found exactly the opposite.
1: And so the people who were high-stress voted less often.
6: Yep. I did the initial data analysis on that and thought we must have made a mistake somewhere.
1: A mistake because the connection was strong. And the finding hinted at a new world of political analysis. (laughs) When we try to predict political behavior, we're usually looking at things like race and age and income level. And Smith and French's work shows there might be a whole range of other biological factors we didn't even think to check.
6: The only question that social scientists are really interested in is why the hell do people do what they do? That's ultimately what we're trying to answer. And politics is a rich and fascinating arena for asking the question of why the hell people are doing what they're
1: doing. This research into biology and political attitudes has been done in what Smith calls small bites. These studies are like early satellites, sent out to space just to see if there's anything out there. But what about the 2016 election?
6: I have no data. This is purely speculative, but I think it would be a reasonable hypothesis that this election is causing more stress than other elections.
1: No data. Hmm. Now, this got us thinking. Maybe we could do our own stress experiment. Fring and Smith agreed that if we found participants, they'd be willing to analyze cortisol levels for us. And it might give us some insight into just how stressful this election has been. We knew the perfect couple to test. Do you not think real? Has he crooked. ever been convicted of anything I don't but care. having you, sex give me your opinion. With somebody? Give me your no, opinion. I don't think he's crooked.
0: Okay, there you go.
1: Right? Do you remember Chuck if and Brenda? The couple our reporter Julia found in Texas. She asked them if they would be our guinea pigs.
4: Yeah, so I wanted to first um, ask you guys if you wanted to take part in something that we... If we were going to do this, I had to get a sample from them. You have to
3: spit in a tube. Mm-hmm. You measure cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy, honey. Mine is gonna be off the chart. I can already <laughs> tell you, mine will be off the chart. She
0: stresses over every little thing. I'm
3: telling you. <laughs> Sorry, mine did. will be zero. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, but yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Go All for right, it. Cool. Yeah.
3: Sweet.
4: And with that, Chuck and Brenda officially became our test subjects. And that is why we can't use their last names. In this experiment we wanted to ask a simple question. What is more stressful? Listening to a candidate that you hate or listening to the person you love most in the world defend the candidate that you hate. First, I had to get a starting stress level. I'm doing something yep, right because yep. I'm getting some in there. Then I asked them a question about Trump, and it didn't take much. They <laughs> no. fought for 30 minutes.
3: You don't have any evidence? Don't I don't have any want evidence. to
4: vote for Hillary.
3: I don't, I don't want to vote for Hillary. I'm not. I'm voting for my Trump.
4: Ask, and to see if that fighting stressed them out, I asked them to spit again.
3: Well, I found something else I'm good at, making spit. Mine's full.
0: Oh, do you want full or half is okay?
4: Half is that was day one. Then I went back to their house a second day. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> I walk in on them watching a Gilligan's Island documentary, which is conveniently not stressful at all, and I ask them to spit for another base stress level. And then instead of fighting, I made Chuck and Brenda each watch a different speech. He watched Clinton.
3: Are my ears bleeding And she watched Trump. God bless you and good night.
4: Thank dear Lord, that's over. Then they spat one last time to see if just listening stressed them out. I know the drill. And then before I left, I asked them both to speculate about what the results might be. Chuck thought watching Clinton was more stressful than fighting with his wife.
0: I respect my wife. I don't respect Hillary. And that's what it comes
4: down to. And for that same reason, Brenda thought what was most stressful was fighting with Chuck, the man she respects.
3: If he were a dumb redneck and i dated some of those then i wouldn't have an issue with it but he's not he's just the opposite of that so that's why i think it upsets me that's what they thought but the proof would be in the spit you're gonna have to let us know what the cortisol levels are will you i I think i can i'm not the scientist here i'm not sure of the protocols but i I think i can know what mine is because i've never had it taken
1: We sent those samples off to the researchers in Nebraska. They told us it would take a couple of weeks. And while we waited for the results, we dreamt up an even bigger experiment. Hello. Is that Jeffrey French? It is. Excellent. And Kevin Smith is here too. Great, Kevin. We got the guys back together again, Dr. French and Professor Smith, to talk about our new plan. We batted around some ideas and we settled on measuring people's stress levels during the presidential debates. What we wanted to know was this. Do these debates stress people out? And if so, who gets more anxious, Trump supporters or Clinton supporters? The plan was go to the debate watch parties, collect saliva, and then test people's cortisol levels. We had no idea what kind of weird details went into planning something like this. I just wanted to make sure that we're shipping the samples to you properly. We have insulated boxes. We've got gel packs. And so we're just Perfect. supposed to number the tubes and send them to you overnight and then yep. separately email you the spreadsheet. Yep. We are not scientists, but we did try to control for as many things as we could think of. like Like what if people drink during the debate watch parties? I mean, maybe what we need to do is have at the end of the night a question, which is like, how many drinks did you have?
2: Yeah.
5: For the purposes of a journalistic story, as long as we've got that information, Amanda, uh-huh. I mean, we can statistically control for it. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that Jeff and I would go to a peer-reviewed publication with, <laughs> no. with that sort of thing. Right. But Right. As long as we've got the information, we can at least account for that sort of confound.
1: Right. Okay. Right. We all agreed we had no idea what we would find. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks. We'll be in touch. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. So who's going where? Uh, where's the list? A few weeks yeah. later, so the I night have, of the um, first presidential so. debate finally yeah. arrived. All right. Who's coming with us? Yeah. Uh, I'm Kenny. I'm Priscilla. Priscilla, We got together a group of about 15 volunteers. Oh, go. Priscilla got it. We had spit tubes, hundreds of surveys, whiteboards, clipboards, Boom. rubber gloves, yeah. napkins, yeah. straws. Thank you guys. Good luck tonight. We split up and went to three different debate watch parties, two Republican, one Democrat. It was the start of a crazy night.
6: They really crammed people in here. I'm sorry, everybody.
3: Sorry, I'm
1: squeeze through. All right. So here we go. Can I show you what we're doing? Uh sure. We're doing a very unusual experiment. We're going to be
6: running around collecting spit samples for people.
1: Spit? Spit. For science. Yeah, For science.
6: Okay. Right, hold on, let me, let me get the sounds
4: of everything you're doing.
1: Take that little piece of straw and put it in the test tube. Can you go in there? I'm
3: getting it everywhere but where i supposed to. Are we ready to rumble?
0: President of the United States, Hillary Clinton, and Republican nominee for President of the
3: United States, Donald J. Trump. Law and order. Trumped up, Trickle down. Illegal immigrants. Vladimir Putin. Gangs roaming the streets. Try to negotiate down the
1: Rome. national debt
3: of the United States. I feel as like it's a really bad
4: thriller film where I would usually like fast forward, but I'm not able to do
3: that. Donald thinks that climate change is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. I think it's real. <laughs> Did, you Did you hear me? I can't control myself. My neighbor to the left is annoyed at me. The woman to your left does look annoyed. He's
0: going to do it for us, that concludes...
4: Our debate for this evening, a spirited one. we will take
2: your spit. Oh, yeah. I already turned
4: it in. Turn it in. You turned in the sample seat? Uh, yes. I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm pretty fucking stressed.
6: Oh, boy. Yo, in the freezer, there's like a big lunch pail. It's. don't. Don't open it.
1: We got dozens of people to participate in our experiment. But our scientists in Nebraska needed a bigger sample. And so we went out again to the second presidential debate. And all told, we got just over 100 people to participate. Roughly half identified as conservatives, the other half liberals, and there were some unaffiliated folks in the mix. Then we overnighted all the samples to Dr. Jeffrey French... Omaha. I'm supposed to write exempt human specimen on the box somewhere. I flew out there to see how he would process the spit files.
2: All right, so let me search here amongst the samples in the freezer. We've got some hyena feces. We have some fish blood, marmoset monkey urine. Oh, here we go. Here are the WNYC saliva samples.
1: Oh, that Dr. French. Do you really have all those things in there?
2: We do. We do. What? You um, he showed me all the different steps. All right. So this is a centrifuge that will spin down the samples. And essentially anything that's heavy, like a food particle, will spin to the bottom. And leaving the water phase of the saliva up on top. So I'll go ahead and close this up. Looks a little bit
1: like a large Cuisinart.
2: Absolutely. And we name each one of our centrifuges. This happens to be Jerry the gyrator.
1: Now, again, if Dr. French had been running this as a study for journals and peer review, he would have collected the samples in a pristine lab. We, of course, were doing this out in the real world. Not ideal, he pointed
2: out. I looked at one sample, and it looked like someone had eaten a bag of Cheetos prior to providing a saliva sample. But he
1: also said if there were really noticeable results, they would punch through the noise. Here's what he's looking for. He's trying to figure out how much of the stress hormone is in each
2: sample. A person who is physically or psychologically stressed will have a higher level of cortisol, and a non-stressed subject will have a very low level of cortisol. In this particular case, we're measuring... We're measuring... <laughs> so while Dr. French answers his cell, allow me to summarize. Hello? Hello?
1: We all start the day with high levels of cortisol. It helps give you the energy you need to get up in the morning. And then, during the day, it naturally goes down. Now, of course, some stress can be good and motivating. But chronic stress leads to all the things that you suspect. High blood pressure, heart problems, depression and anxiety. And so it's important to look at what might be causing you stress to begin with.
2: We're done. So that provides us with the cortisol concentrations in about 35 of the samples.
1: 35 down, a whole lot more to go. I headed back to New York. A few weeks later, the results were ready. I called up Professor Smith and Dr. French to have them help me understand what we were looking at. Hello, is that Professor Kevin Smith? It is. And Dr. Jeffrey French? Speaking. All together again. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Amanda? So remember, the questions we thought we were looking for were pretty simple. Were these debates giving people anxiety? And if so, who was feeling it the most? So what did we find out? Were the debate nights stressful for people? Kevin, do you want to begin?
5: Um, I mean, that's a a very open-ended question there, Amanda. I mean, the patterns there in terms of...
1: Professor Smith explained that throughout the debate, there was no real jump in cortisol for the Trump supporters. And for Clinton supporters, they uh, did see a slight uptick uh, in the middle of the debate, but no smoking gun of stress. Yeah, I mean,
5: that's the general pattern that we see. I mean, there's not huge spikes in any group that are jumping right up.
1: Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that people went to these debate watch parties
2: with people of like mind? Absolutely. So it's certainly possible that being among like-minded individuals may have buffered at a physiological level whatever stress that you observed at a behavioral level.
1: And so the answer to the question we thought we were asking, just how stressful was debate night for people, was not really that stressful. Not at least according to their cortisol levels. But something showed up in our test results that we were not really looking for.
5: Well, at least for me, the thing that I found most surprising was the difference in baseline cortisol levels for Trump voters were higher than they were for Clinton voters by quite a bit, nearly twice as high as the Democrats.
1: We're nearly twice as—say that again?
2: Yeah, just looking at the first sample that was taken before the debate even began, the Trump voters had levels of cortisol in their saliva that were about twofold, that is twice as high, as those voters who had reported that they were intending to vote for Clinton.
1: Huh. Here's my theory on this. When I went to the Republican debate watch parties, a lot of the people I spoke with were voting for Trump, but he was not their first choice— Someone said they wanted Jeb Bush. Someone else said Ben Carson. Rubio came up. And so maybe one explanation for those high rates of cortisol is that the Trump supporters we looked at walked in the door feeling conflicted.
5: Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. I mean, if you are supporting someone, even though you don't really like them, but you're trying to be the good, loyal soldier. Another
1: possibility is that Trump supporters have looked at the whole election cycle and the outlook of the country with a lot of anxiety. And that is stressful. But of course, this is where we need to point out again. Our experiment was by no means pristine. And so there may be any number of uncontrolled variables that have affected cortisol before people showed up it might be maybe they had a drink, or they took
2: some medication, or they had a coffee. Um, exercise certainly elevates cortisol. If the uh, Trump supporters were were running around the room screaming at the TV, throwing things at the TV, that could account for some of the differences in cortisol that we saw. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the difference is large enough. We would consider this to be really useful pilot data to do a, a more full-scale, more carefully controlled study
1: even though our finding is not something Smith and French can publish, they said it does point towards some of the big questions that they've been trying to tackle. Is it possible liberals and conservatives are fundamentally biologically different? And if we accept that there are inherent differences, does that make us more or less tolerant?
5: Politics is about managing social conflict in a way that doesn't lead to violence, that doesn't lead to social disorder. The central conundrum is how can we manage social conflict while maintaining social order and preserving social freedoms?
1: If politics is about managing conflict, then we know some people who must have some insight into how to survive an election as contentious as this one. Hello, is that Chuck? Hey, girlfriend. Chuck, this is not your girlfriend. This is Amanda. We haven't met. Chuck, this, this is Julia. Chuck and Brenda, couple from Texas. We tested their cortisol to ask a simple question. What is more stressful, listening to a candidate that you hate or listening to the person you love most in the world defend the candidate you hate? It's been a few weeks since uh, Julia was there yes. and a lot has happened. Are you changing your vote?
0: I don't even watch the debates, uh, and there's several reasons for that.
1: She didn't ask that question. She no, asked well, she you asked changing me. your I'm vote. I'm
0: just telling her. I haven't watched the debates. I've watched some of the highlights. They haven't changed me one single bit.
4: So we have the results, and I'll say that you guys were wrong about everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not unusual. Okay, so, Chuck
4: so we explain the results. Brenda was stressed well, out a no, little should, bit there, by uh, watching see. Trump, oh. and Chuck actually relaxed while watching Clinton. Maybe he was bored. But arguing with each other wasn't stressful to either of them. And this was a genuine surprise to me. I would sit there and watch them fight, and I would physically shudder. I thought, this has got to be stressful to these people. But Chuck and Brenda? Totally unsurprised.
3: I guess
0: we've just lived with each other so long that it's just all washed out now, you know what I
4: mean?
3: we argued for... 40 years, so I guess it's just like talking to
4: us. Chuck explained this even better when I was in Texas with them, before they'd even heard the results. He said what's going on in their marriage during this election, it's like this one episode of Star Trek.
0: You have aliens that live just, they're a little bit out of phase. They're in a different universe, a little bit out of phase. Sometimes that's the way we are. We're just, we live together. We're a little bit out of phase on that.
4: Not little, I'd say a
0: lot. (laughs) Well, sometimes it could be. So
4: So then why do you think you're able
3: to like figure it out? Like, I love each other. Yeah. This isn't going to come out and break our marriage because I know Hillary's not going to be changing my diaper when I'm 90 and neither is Trump. He will be. He'll be there. So that lies underneath everything, you know.
0: It trumps everything else. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use that Mm, word.
1: We encourage you to keep Chuck and Brenda in mind when you head to the polls on November 8th. And also, keep this in mind. On November 9th, this election will be over. That is, of course, unless it isn't. There are a lot of people to thank. First and foremost, WNYC's Elaine Chen, who thought through every aspect of this experiment, from the best way to spit into a tube to how to crunch all that data. Thanks to Callie Patz, Brian Witten, and the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism students who helped out on debate night. And thanks to Chuck and Brenda for letting us invade their home. Boom. And, of course, huge thanks to Professor Kevin Smith and Dr. Jeffrey French at the University of Nebraska. Clearly, we could not have done any of this without you. Only Human is a production of WNYC Studios. Our team includes Elaine Chen, Mary Harris, Julia Longoria, Kenny Malone, Fred Mogul, and Jillian Weinberger. Our technical director is Casey Means. Jim Schachter is the vice president of news for WNYC. Subscribe to Only Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find a list of our favorite episodes on our website at onlyhuman.org. Support for
0: WNYC's health coverage and Only Human is provided by the Charina Endowment Fund, Jane and Gerald Katcher, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Simons Foundation, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, and the Winston Foundation.